Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. The rules have changed. Good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio, for Friday, October 29th, 2010. This week, episode 185 comes to you from Studio C in beautiful McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. My name is Joe Hughes, or Radio Joe, and here with me in the studio is the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. It's always a pleasure to work with you, Joe. Good day, Cliff. At the controls, once again, is our engineer, Austin Powers Novak. Allow myself to introduce myself. My name is Austin Danger Powers. Danger is my middle name. He's dangerous, all right. Uh, today's segments include the IAQ Radio trivia question, an interview with IICRC President Patrick Winters, halftime with our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, and of course, the roundup. We've been adding a blog to the IAQ Radio website every week after the show. Check out Cliff's blog at iaqradio.com. Before we start, we want to thank our sponsors. And before we do that, I want to uh, welcome a new sponsor on. Our new association sponsor is the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA. They are the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit them at nadca.com. We welcome them to IAQ Radio's list of sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfacts.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, most people join the show by going online and going to the IAQ Radio site and clicking on the Go to the Show site, and then uh, you can just hit Listen. 
at the uh, that'll take you to TalkShoe, who are the people that help us with the show. And of course, you can always download the show later. Uh, you can stream live right from the IAQ Radio homepage, or of course, you can go back to the show button and uh, download from TalkShoe, or of course, from iTunes. Don't forget, we also have those ABIH certification maintenance points, IICRC continuing education credits, or ACAC renewal credits. Just email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com and request a quiz, and we'll get you set up for renewal credits. Uh, our emails are both on the homepage of IAQ Radio as well. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let me turn it, turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, just simply text it in. Congratulations! To Cheryl Schultz of Alexandria, Virginia, for answering last week's trivia question by identifying the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, or NIOSH, as the United States federal agency responsible for conducting research and making recommendations for the prevention of work-related injury and illness. The IAQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, October 29, 2010 has been sponsored by Cochrane & Associates, the indoor air quality industry's dedicated marketing and public relations firm. Cochrane & Associates has created IAQ TV, the IAQ Video Network, the industry's portal for news and information related to indoor air quality issues. IAQ TV is the place to be. Visit them at iaqtv.com. Now for this week's trivia question. Trade associations that meet the requirements of this Internal Revenue Code section are exempt from federal income tax as business leagues. The same provision extends to exemption to chambers of commerce, real estate boards, boards of trade, and even professional football leagues. Name this code section. Back to you, Joe. Okay, thank you, Cliff. Today's guest is Mr. Patrick Winters. Patrick has more than 35 years of not-for-profit management experience. Prior to joining the IICRC, he served for eight years as the executive director of the Society for Maintenance and Reliability Professionals, a 3,000-member international engineering organization. He's previously been president and chief executive officer of the Denver Area Better Business Bureau, the National Association of Credit Management, and the Chicago Midwest Service Corporation, and also the Building Owners and Managers Association of Denver, Colorado. He was awarded the Association Executive of the Year in 1991 by the Colorado Society of Association Executives, and under his leadership, the Building Owners and Managers Association of Denver was named the Association of the Year in 1990 by the BOMA International. In 2008, he was appointed to the Board of Examiners of the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Awards. The Baldridge Awards are the highest level of national recognition for organizational excellence and innovation. 
Mr. Winters has a Bachelor of Science degree from Illinois State University, a Master of Public Administration from the University of Colorado, and is a graduate of the University of Notre Dame Institute of Organization Management Center for Leadership and Development. I think we have some intro music. There we go. This is the sound of one voice. One people, one voice. A song for every one of us. This is the sound of one voice. This is the sound of one voice. All one voice. Okay, let's get uh, Patrick on the line. Hello, Patrick. How, how are you today? Hello, Joe. All right, great. We've got you. Okay, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Let's uh, let's get a little start on. Uh, maybe you could go back, if you would, for the, from IICRC at its inception. How did the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification start? Um. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your show, and thanks for that nice introduction. No um, I, I also enjoyed the trivia question, and I'll probably drop a hint as to the answer uh, probably a couple times uh, during actually, the interview. Actually, some, somebody got it, but I don't uh, think it's right. He not, doesn't have a quite. No, not, no. not quite. we got somebody that's nipping, but they're a little further away. <laughs> but that's okay. They're uh, nipping at the bait. <laughs> yeah, the trivia questions generally do have something to do with the guests, so we try to kind of tie it in on purpose so yeah well i, I appreciate that I, uh, I i don't think people know there's actually uh, i believe it's something like 27 different uh, internal revenue service codes for nonprofits, and uh you know most people just think that there there's several because they belong to a society or professional organization or an educational institute but there's actually 27 different ones and they all have their different rules and regulations as to what you can and can't do. And uh, of the 27, you can think, uh, well, like uh, the veterans of foreign wars have their own special designation, farmers co-ops. Um, you know, there's a, a nonprofit classification for all kinds of different groups. So uh, good luck to, uh, to the people who are trying to figure out which of the 27 and what it is. You already got it. <laughs> but so anyway. yeah, it's good. <laughs> Uh, anyway, to your question, um, the IICRC was established in uh, 1972, and uh, its purpose was, as I understand it, I obviously wasn't around with it then, but was uh, to, to be the means uh, which uh, professionals, uh, you know, could receive generic training and become certified, and uh, it originally started with carpet cleaning. And uh, the institute has grown tremendously since then. In about 19, I believe it was 1980, um, it went from becoming a, a for-profit organization to a non-profit organization. And from there, it, it really took off uh, to where it is today, uh, being noted as, you know, the certification registry and standard-setting organization for the inspection, cleaning, and restoration industry. And uh, today we're the largest nonprofit registry of inspectors, cleaning, and restorers. And, uh, you know, from what started as a small little organization, we now have offices in the United States, Canada, Great Britain, Australia, and Japan, and uh, looking to expand further. Um, and uh, 
we also, uh, and, and so people know, uh, being a nonprofit, we are controlled by a board of directors, and uh, our particular board of directors is controlled by uh, the regional and international trade associations. What What's the current mission? I mean, over the years, I'm sure it's changed a little, maybe not. What What's the mission for IICRC at this point? Uh, well, that, that's a real good question, because uh, previously we had a extremely lengthy mission statement, um, which which is common for many nonprofit organizations. Uh, but the, the the trend today is to to make your mission statement uh, less lengthy. Uh, you know, be able to recite it so that you know you and your registrants and your members can all uh, you know pretty much know what the mission statement is. And we recently had a strategic planning session where we took a look at the entire organization. And uh, one of the things we did as part of that strategic planning session was uh, review uh, what we wanted as the mission statement. And at the board of directors' last meeting, uh, just a month or so ago, uh, the, the board of directors approved a new mission statement. And uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, the mission of the IICRC is to identify and promote international standard of care that establishes and maintains the health, safety, and welfare of the built environment. Uh, so we, we've managed to narrow down our three or four paragraph uh, previous mission statement uh, into that very concise uh, uh, sentence, and uh, we, we think it uh, tells what we do like uh, any mission statement should and where we're heading. Okay. Cliff? Well, as you said, the IACRC currently is a standards writing and certification organization. Uh, does the IICRC plan now or plan in the future to become a membership organization? Uh, yes, we do. And, uh, you know, that, that's an excellent question. Um, Chairman Paul Pierce, um, he set up a task force over a year ago um, to, to take a look at starting a national or international trade association, and he set up a task force. Um, and the trade association, a lot of people think of the Institute as a trade association um, when actually it's a certification organization. And a lot of people have, you know, uh, expected things that you would normally expect from, a, you know, a trade association <laughs> types of things. And it's never been, you know, the mission or in any of the plans of the Institute, but yet the Institute to, to fill the need uh, ended up doing those things. Um, so we think a, a trade association, um, you know, encompassing the entire industry is very important. And uh, Chairman Pierce appointed task force, and uh, I have to admire him. I, I was new at the time, so any names that he was putting forward on the task force, I didn't know their background or where they were coming from. But he uh, did a good collection of people. He found represent had representatives from the regional trade associations. Uh, he put people on the task force that were opposed to a, a trade association, people who were for it. And uh, so it was a good cross-section of people. And the first thing we did was put together a business plan uh, as to how we were going to proceed, uh, what we were going to look at, um, what all the, you know, previous uh, you know, problems had been, and there, I think, as you gentlemen probably know, there's there's been a number of attempts at a national trade association, uh, and there's a number of reasons why we don't have one. Um, but the first thing we wanted to do was to address, you know, why 
why the previous attempts had failed. And there was the problem with personalities, uh, you know, and, and the control. Uh, certain organizations wanted to control it um, previously. Um, there was people who said that, uh, you know, people in, the, in this profession, cleaning, restoration, inspection, are not joiners. Um, I, I tend to agree with that. I'm a nonprofit association executive, and, you know, we have our own body of knowledge, and our, our body of knowledge tells us that, you know, eight out of ten people uh, in the United States belong to five or more associations. And, uh, you know, it all depends on what the quality they're getting from their association. You know, I, I don't think many people, probably your listeners don't either, but if, if they count, start counting on their hands, uh, you know, they probably belong to the American Automobile Association. Uh, if they're of a certain age, they might belong to the Association of Retired People. Uh, their, their kids' soccer league is probably an association. Uh, the Girl Scouts is an association. The, the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, etc. So, uh, you know, associations are a big fabric of America. So to say that people wouldn't join, I, I think, is the wrong statement. But, but the last thing that we looked at was in the pre last attempt was that uh, regional associations uh, were told that they can't keep their own name and that also that they couldn't keep their, their own money. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where that came from. Uh, whether the people who were trying to organize at the time, why they were saying that, but it's a very wrong statement. Um, the, the Internal Revenue Service, um, and it's a very common structure for associations, but there's something that's called a federated structure uh, that does allow regional associations or local associations to keep their own name and also to keep their own money. And what the federated structure is, um, it, it allows for the regionals, current regionals, uh, the con we would have a contract relationship with them where we would agree to support each other in, in uh, meeting our goals, and it also allows for financial independence. So once that hurdle was passed, um, that you know the, that that was the last problem that was you know brought up as far as having a, a national association, um, I, I think we were able to quiet a lot of the fears. Um, so since then, the task force has been meeting for the last uh, eight or nine months. Uh, like I said, in our business plan, we you know, had a number of areas to address. And, uh, you know, and we even addressed why we need an association. Um, and a big one, and, you know, is we do not have one. Uh, we have uh, some fragmented regional associations. Um, uh, we have some regional associations that are, have tried to become national and, you know, have failed. Um, but when you also take a look at why people join associations, uh, you know, there, there's one overriding thing in me being an association executive. Uh, we always used to say that people who belong to associations are happier and wealthier. Um, you know, and it, was, it was a very nice thing to say, uh, but there was a study done in, uh, about two years ago in 2008 out of Syracuse University, uh, their business management school. Where, where they actually proved that. Uh, they took a number of different studies on, you know, uh, people's happiness and uh, their incomes, et cetera, and their belonging to associations. Uh, and they showed that uh, people do, who belong to their professional and trade associations, are happier and wealthier. Um, so there's a good reason to start a national association right there. But we also looked at, you know, more practical reasons uh, uh, and 
being an association executive, I've always thought a couple of things why a person should join is, uh, you know, you're trying to benefit your, your members and also society. Um, and another big reason that I've always said, you know, besides happier and wealthier is you, you want to help your members make money and save money uh, and keep them out of jail. And that's what trade associations can do. Uh, making money, uh, you should become more professional by belonging to association. Uh, an association can help you save money uh, through group buying. And uh, when we say keep you out of jail is, uh, you know, there's a number of government regulations and rules, and uh, you usually find out about those through your association. And hopefully that keeps uh, members out of jail. Um, so as you can tell, we're moving right along. We've answered the objections. Or we've looked at the why and why not there, there shouldn't be an association. Uh, right now we're working on uh, what I call the member value proposition. Um, you know, what is it the members want? And we surveyed our members uh, to find out. And uh, as usual, uh, it showed that members want networking. Uh, they want education, and they want it at the local level. Um, you know, not to take anything from connections or other national uh, trade shows or conventions, but, uh, uh, you know, people uh, want to be educated uh, as, as close to home as possible. I still think there's a you know great room for national conventions like uh, uh, connections, but uh, you know we we can do uh, an association can do education and training uh, you know 24 hours a day nowadays with uh, through internet and web-based services, and also uh, members are looking for governmental affairs. Um, you know the industry and profession is. Uh, uh, you know, being looked at very closely in mold remediation and in other areas, and there's a number of states passing legislation, and uh, we need an association to help uh, fight and win those battles. So, as you can tell, um, we're moving, you know, I would say quite fast uh, towards getting the National Association up and running. Uh, like I said, the, the board approved going forward with, a, and I should say an international trade association, the board approved going forward with at the last meeting. And so uh, right now we're uh, working on, you know, the incorporation of it, uh, you know, what the name's going to be, how it'll be uh, structured, and uh, how we can give value to the members. Now, so you're, would this be... Um... I guess you're still trying to figure out the the structure, so you don't maybe you don't know whether it would be um, like a wholly owned subsidiary or how do you how do you handle those types of issues? I mean, you've got a current structure where you have these regional trade associations, as I understand it, that make up the the shareholders as it is now for the IICRC, and then a few individuals. You have a somewhat unusual. Um, structure with respect to trade associations. We could talk more about that either today or next week when we have uh, more on this issue. But I'm curious, would it be a separate group or would it be a part of IICRC or would IICRC change their mission? Um, it, it would be, we are, we intend to incorporate separately. It, it would be a separate organization. And uh, I, I should explain why. Uh, when we originally started out, the task force uh, was going to make it an arm or a division of the institute. And uh, but several reasons changed our mind. One is, um, at the institute, we're going for ANSI accreditation, American National Standards Institute accreditation. 
And ANSI likes to see uh, if they're going to credit it, you know, your your uh, certification programs, uh, which we think is very important that we do get accredited. Um, they like to see uh, that it be independent. In other words, you don't have government, you don't have a governmental affairs program tied to it. Um, you know, you're not uh, heavily involved in research and other things. In other words, they want kind of a pure institute that's, uh, you know, providing, uh, you know, education and training and a certification program. Um, so based on that, um, we've decided to incorporate separately, but we would keep it closely held by the institute. In other words, there would be some crossover board of directors. Um, we, we don't want it to get too distance away. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's what we're working on as far as the governance structure. Okay. And that's about as far as we are right now is, you know, just saying that we want it closely held. Well, you did a great job. You anticipated. We had a text question or two come in, and you kind of anticipated those and, and answered those. So that's that's great. Now, let me, let me add one. I, I, we kind of went into a, a different path than what I expected, but I'm curious. Where would the standards development reside? Would that stay with the IICRC? Uh, yeah, it would certainly stay uh, under the Institute. Um, you know, standards lead to uh, the certification. You know, we're, we're, you're testing to, uh, you know, your best practices and your standards. And uh, ANSI does, you know, does not look unfavorably on that. In fact, they look very favorably on it that, you know, uh, we're, we're already an ANSI-accredited uh, SDO, Standards Development Organization. Um, so to have the, the standards, ANSI-accredited standards development organization and ANSI-accredited certification program under one organization would, uh, you know, it would be kind of a gold standard. <laughs> you know, uh, you've mentioned the word certification, and the word certification implies competence and trust, and there's been some backlash in the scientific community. They're dubious of two-day wonders where someone goes to a training class and takes a course and demonstrates their competence by uh, having an, an instructor proctored exam and getting 75% right and not necessarily knowing what they know wrong. Uh, you know, personally, do you feel that the term certification is too strong for a short course of, you know, a day or, or two days or, or three days? Um, I, I don't, um, but I, I have to qualify that. It all depends on the, the body of knowledge of what the course is about. Um, you, you know, if the body of knowledge, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, it can be taught in, in a couple of days, I, I think that's great. Um, you know, I'm not a cleaner or an inspector or restorer, so I really can't say uh, you know, whether two days is too short or too long, whatever. But if, if you're imparting the body of knowledge in, in that course and can test on it, I think that's great. Um, you, you know, I, I would give the example of, uh, you know, the medical profession. Uh, they have a number of specialty certifications. Uh, some are in one day, some are five years. Um, you know, it all depends on what's in that body of knowledge and uh, you know, the development of, of a test that can, you know, test the person's competency in that area of body of knowledge, uh, and if they pass. Uh, and as to the 75% mastery, um, uh, we're working on that. I, I can't tell you, you know, if, if getting 60% or 80% is, is passing. 
the, one of the things that we're working on, and there's a whole new another body of knowledge that works in that area, and they're called psychometricians. Uh, but we're we're going to be looking at you know the validity of all of our exams, and uh, the psychometricians will be taking a look at you know um, the tests, the questions, and you know what what should be uh, you know the passing rates. Um, most um, you know organizations that I know uh, you know that do certification. For some reason, mastery usually falls around, you know, between 70 and 80 percent. Okay. I guess the the follow-up would be that are you looking also at um, methods for ensuring that the people who get, let's say they pass with an 80 percent, so they got 20 percent wrong. As I understand it, the way the exams are currently set up, they don't know exactly what they got wrong and what the right answer is, and, and that seems to be an issue of concern for some people within the industry. Have you looked at how to handle that issue? Um, I, I don't believe we have. And, and maybe, you know, the, the Institute has, um, you know, through the Certification Council or instructors in school. Um, it, it's not something, you know, that has been brought up that I'm aware of recently. Um, I, I do know, uh, having administered, you know, a previous uh, anti-accredited organization, uh, they do not like for you to, to give to the students. Um, in fact, I think it might even be against their accreditation rules uh, what answers were missed. Um, you can show the students, in, and I believe I'm correct on this, um, what area they might be weak in. Uh, you know, say the test covers, you know, five areas, and, uh, you know, they, they pass four of the areas, and, you know, the, the fifth area you know, uh, on, you know, of that particular test they didn't do very well on. Uh, you can tell them they didn't do that, uh, and it can be provided to the employer, so the employer can, you know, get them extra special training or education in that area. Um, but, but I don't think ANSI allows it, and that might be the reason why, although we're not ANSI accredited yet, but it might be the reason we do not do it. Uh, maybe the organization was advised by a psychometrician at some time not to do it. Maybe we can uh, follow up with you on that. It's uh, I've got a couple texts coming in, but uh, we'll, we'll get to those in just a minute. Um, guys, hang on with the text questions. Keep them coming, but I'll, I'll get to them in a minute. We're coming up on halftime. Before we go to halftime, though, I think an important question that we want to ask before we get to that point is, you know, your position as a president, you, you were hired by the association to be the president. With respect to being hired, I believe, is a new position. Um, why did the IICRC decide to go to hiring a full-time president? Well, I'm, I'm glad they did because I'm gainfully employed. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I didn't like my previous one, but uh, the Institute uh, has its own challenges and, and problems and, and good areas. Um, but, it, uh, you know, Joe and Cliff, it, it was my understanding it had been discussed for years by the volunteer leaders. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was because they came to the conclusion that, you know, they have a $4 million budget and they needed, uh, you know, someone with an expertise in, in nonprofits and, uh, you know, a professional and, uh, you know, needed that leadership. Uh, so hopefully I'm providing it. Um, I, I think there's a number of changes that have happened in the last year that, that wouldn't have or if I wouldn't have been here. So that, that, that's my understanding of, of why they uh, went on search for a president. 
Why don't we get back to those changes after we take a short break? I think that's a great point, and it's something we wanted to ask you about anyway. But we've got to take a short break, Patrick. We'll be, we'll be right back. We need to uh, thank our sponsors. We'd like to thank the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, N-A-D-C-A. They are the leading authority for information on heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and refrigeration, inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. And our other association sponsor, the Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. And again, we want to thank our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfacts.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. Okay, Patrick, I think do we have you still on the line there. Oh, we've got to unmute you. Okay, now we should have you back. Patrick, we got you back? I am here. All right, great. Now, we I've got a couple texts here that I wanted to try and tie into the next question, if I can get to the right spot here. Uh, let's see. One was, I can't find it, but um, it, it had to do with some of the issues with respect to barriers. There it is. Um, with respect to consultants and management and, you know, there's been concerns about conflicts of interest in the past with respect to to IICRC, as there is with any organization. And we've discussed that in the past on the show, that, you know, what may or may not be a conflict uh, is sometimes difficult to ascertain. I'm curious, what have you done over the last year with respect to this issue, and what other changes have you made um, over the past year, as you mentioned, prior to halftime, since becoming a full-time president? Um, good question. Um the first thing I do when I come into any organization is I, I conduct what's called a striving for excellence evaluation. And what what it is, is it looks at the, the 10 functional areas of, of the organization. And in our body of knowledge in nonprofits and associations, we, we are considered to have 10 functional areas. And what the evaluation looks at is, you know, what are the best practices and standards of nonprofits against the, the, the organization? And it, I also benchmark. Um, and, and the main things that, that I found, um, you know, I've, I found an awful lot of good things, you know, about the Institute. Uh, but in, in looking at things that needed to be improved, you know, to focus on immediately, uh, was one is we needed to be in compliance uh, you know, with all the nonprofit rules and regs, 
and, and I'm happy to say we are now. Um, a lot of people don't know that uh, the Sarbanes-Oxley legislation, uh, you know, that was passed with all the, you know, scandals with Enron and, and all the other organizations, uh, uh, when they passed Sarbanes-Oxley, uh, there was also some sections that applied to nonprofits. And uh, they had to do with what one of the things you said, conflict of interest. And there was a number of other areas. Um, so the first thing to do was to, to make sure we're in compliance with the IRS, and we are now. Um, the second thing was take a, a big look at the, the policies and procedures of the organization and, and make sure they're all up to date, and we are now. Um, but one of the biggest things I found was, um, you know, a lack of a, a common direction or agreement on where we were going to go and how we were going to get there. And uh, that was because of a lack of strategic plan. And uh, the board of directors approved the plan at the last board meeting, so now we have our strategic direction. And as part of that was uh, also the approval of a marketing plan. Um, we did. We had a marketing or a public relations firm before, but we didn't have an overall marketing plan. Uh, to address the, the, you know, the person that was texting you, and also your question regarding conflict of interest, um, we, we have a policy on on conflict of interest. Um, and you had, I, I don't, you know, know exactly what the, the person said in their text, or whatever, but it was it mentioned consultants or contractors. Um, one of the things was to put in place in the policy um, that we would have a RFP process, a request for a proposal process, uh, governing all contracts over $5,000. And we would work on that also retroactively, and, and we have. Uh, we, we had put out a request for proposals on our uh, auditing firm, uh, and we hired a new firm. Uh, not that the old one was bad, but we got a, a firm that we think is better, and uh, it also saved us a, a good amount of money by, uh, you know, putting out the RFP and getting this firm. Uh, we, we put out a request for proposal for a marketing firm. Uh, the firm that was doing our public relations uh, got that contract, but uh, now instead of just doing public relations, now we have a full-blown marketing plan. Uh, and so we've been going through each of our contracts as they've been coming up for renew or as we've been slotting them in somewhere this past year and, and putting them out uh, through an RFP process. Uh, we know a number of contracts were let before, uh, which caused uh, bad feelings amongst the, the registrants and leadership of the institute, um, you know, and uh, so we're, we're going back, but in, in going forward, uh, you know, every, everything we do is very open and transparent, and uh, part of that process is by having a good uh, RFP policy. I got another text. Do you want to do that, Cliff? Yeah, I, I can do that one. Um, it's, I guess, an interesting question. It says, is paid president who do you actually work for, Patrick? Is it the board of directors? Is it the executive committee? Um, it varies. Um, as the paid president, on a day-to-day -day basis, I report to the chairman of the board, Paul Pierce, uh, and this is all stipulated in my contract too. Believe me, we we work through the lines of communication, uh, you know, very closely. Uh, I, I report to the chairman uh, in between meetings of the executive committee, and the executive committee, I might add, has been extremely hardworking. Uh, they've gone from quarterly meetings where we're now meeting monthly and sometimes twice a month. Um, so I, I report to them, and then I report to the board of directors when they're in session. 
I, as a follow-up, uh, the, the, the second part of that question was, who does the legal counsel work for? Do they work for the executive committee or the board of directors? Uh, the legal counsel works for the board of directors. Okay. And, and you might say I work for the board of directors, too. Uh, you know, o overall, everybody works for the board of directors. Um, I, wor I work for them, but, you know, the, the contract that they refer to them uh, when they're in session, but in between, um, I, I work for the executive committee because the board of directors has delegated uh, the day-to-day -day activities of the organization to the executive committee and the chairman. And, and it's the same way with uh, the legal counsel. But we overall, the board of directors is the governing body. We all work through them. Patrick, I, first I want to th say I appreciate your coming on and, and your, your frankness in, in answering these questions. We've had a lot of these questions over the years from people, and it's, it's really refreshing to have you here uh, representing the IICRC as their president, and we appreciate your frankness. A lot has been made, about, uh, made out about the IICRC's governance structure and, and changes, and you had mentioned some of those things earlier on, but I wanted to make sure that I, uh, I asked you this question. What, what was the problem, and, and, and what is in store with respect to changes, and will the shareholders still be um, a part of this overall structure, the, the current shareholders as they exist now? Um, the... I, I would I would put it this way: the, the evaluation that I did, you know, against best practices and uh, you know what is what is common, uh, you know, in the nonprofit area, uh, did turn up a, n a number of discrepancies and problem areas uh, with our governance structure. It is extremely unique. Uh, you can probably count on your hand the number of organizations who are organized like uh, the institute uh, with the shareholders. Uh, and I'll give you some of the problem areas, and then I'll answer you as to where I think we're going, because I can't really tell, because it all resides with the board of directors. But um, like I said, the shareholder concept is extremely foreign concept to nonprofits. Uh, nonprofits have stakeholders, uh, not shareholders. Um, and, and stakeholders for the IICRC would be everybody from consumers to, to registrants to instructors, uh, uh, you know, everybody who has an interest in, in the well-being of the organization. Um, another problem area is the nominating committee of the organization uh, can pretty much control the organization uh, by who they, you know, put forward as a slate. Um, it, it is very good best practice that there be rotation of officers and that there also be term limits. Um, an extremely big problem is... Um, shareholder versus board member uh you know there's a conflict um the shareholder comes from uh you know a regional association they're supposed to be representing the regional association however when they get on the board of directors of the institute by law they have fiduciary interest to the institute uh thus you know their their regional association say might say we want you to vote this way but when they get to the Institute Board of Directors and they hear all the, the pros and cons of an issue or whatever, um, they're bound by law to vote their particular conscious uh, of what is best for the Institute. Um, and our entire bylaws are, are just full of, uh, you know, 
policy duplication and inconsistencies, et cetera. Um, you know, uh, there's, uh, you know, some conflicts with who does what and when and things like that. Um, so what, we, what we're doing right now, um, long story short, is that there, there's a governance task force working on the governance structure. Um, you know, and it all starts with the bylaws because that's the contract between, you know, you and, and the registrants or your members. And, uh, you know, I, I think our bylaws are something, I don't know, 20, 28 pages or something like that. Um, I, I, I've been, you know, looking at association bylaws for 35 years, probably thousands of them. Um, and bylaws should be very clear and concise, and you should be able to get it down to, you know, eight to ten pages at most. Uh, not that shortness means anything, but you want to make them clear and concise. Um, I, I can't answer what, where the shareholders will shake out in this, but they are certainly a very big stakeholder in the organization. And in the governance task force, um, we, ha we haven't started writing the bylaws yet. We're still talking the philosophy and, uh, you know, some of the things that, uh, you know, I've been telling you and your listeners. Um, you know, they will certainly have a place, you know, uh, in the new organizational structure. Uh, but what it is and where and how, I can't say right now. Uh, that, that's what we're discussing. Okay. That's, that's fair. Thank you for that. We had another text. I just want to um, clarify because I think there's a little confusion, at least with one of the listeners. Um, let me make sure that I have it right, too. The IICRC will, will continue as a certification and standards writing group, and whether or not you have the same governance with the shareholders being these regional associations plus a few people, that's still something you're working on. And then there will be a, a separate organization that will be somewhat guided by or will be under the IICRC that will be a membership association. And I'm just curious, how do you foresee the governance of that particular organization taking place? Um, well, that, that, you know, I, I wish I had some more d definitive answers for you, but, you know, all these things are, are, we're working on right now. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I really can't say. All we know is that, you know, we want it to be closely held. It will not be under the Institute. I would say it would be parallel, you know, horizontal to the Institute. Um, you know, and we would include, just like we're going to try in the rewrite of the bylaws to include the stakeholders um, that have an interest in the Institute, uh, with, you know, and also keep the shareholders and, and what they do in, their, in that concept in a rewrite of the bylaws. In, in writing the new bylaws for the association, we'll be trying for the same thing. We, we want to have, uh, you know, all stakeholders represented, and, uh, you know, that would, that would certainly include, uh, you know, the regional associations in some way. Uh, you know, I, it would not be possible, uh, you know, it's been mentioned we should have, you know, one person from each, uh, you know, regional association on, uh, you know, the, the board of directors of the association. Uh, it, it's just not feasible. The, the board would be, you know, too large. Uh, best practices in, in a board is, you know, somewhere from, you know, 12 to no more than 15, 18 people. Uh, but we, we will work that, you know, there will be representation from uh, the shareholders and also from the uh, regional associations. But we're, we're working on all those things now, and i sorry I can't give you a definitive answer. Uh, that's that's excellent what you've done so far is more than we could 
we can just thank you very much for what you've done up to this point. We have no problem with that. There's another text I want to uh, bring up. It has to do with the ANSI certification. And if you don't know, then, you know, certainly just tell us that and we'll, we'll follow up at a later point. But uh, the listener's point is that the ANSI certification requires that the testing organization be disassociated from instructors in schools. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how accurate that statement is, and I don't know if you know, but um, does the IICRC intend to find a way to uh, disassociate the schools from the certification process? Um, well, I wouldn't say disassociate. Um, at least, the, you know, the, the way I, you know, uh, think of that word. Um, you know, they can be included, but it would change. But what we have to change is part of the process. Um, according to ANSI uh, rules and regulations, you know, the instructors should not test, um, and, and we should not test, um, or we should not instruct to the exam, um, you know, which uh, leaves it pretty open. But I, I think the, the way I read the, the person who's texting you is, you know, we, we're not just associating, we're just going to change some processes. Um, and, and it's part of I would say a big overall picture of, of a number of things that we need to do differently. Uh, you know, paper and pencil tests are, uh, you know, passe. Uh, the whole world is passing us by. Uh, you know, we're, we're taking a look uh, at systems now, uh, you know, where, you know, students, can, you know, can take a, the test, uh, you know, from their own personal computer, uh, and it could still be secure. Uh, they can go to remote testing sites. Uh, you know, there's a number of things that we're looking at that, uh, you know, bring us into this new century before it passes us by. Um, we have another text question. I'm, I'm going to slightly rephrase it. Um, you had mentioned that representatives on, on the board of directors that represent shareholder associations have to take off their their regional association hat and put on their IICRC board of director hat when they're, you know, sitting at that table and, and making those decisions. Does that create a disconnect between the executive committee who's looking out and board of directors for that matter, who are looking out for the best for the organization disconnect them from the actual rank and file, the, the registrants who have different interests? Oh, I, I believe most certainly it does. I think that's that's one of the problems with the, the governance structure and, and the bylaws the way they, they currently are. Uh, and then, you know, the rewrite of the bylaws will, you know, hopefully uh, be able to do away with that disconnect. Um, you know, that sometimes it's thought of, and I don't see it, that, you know, there's a, a disconnect between the executive committee and the board of directors. Uh, the executive committee is extremely hardworking, uh, has the best interest of the organization in mind in fulfilling its mission. Uh, but there is that disconnect, and, you know, we're hopefully uh, going to be able to solve that with a, a, a new bylaws. But you're, you're very correct. Um, it is there. Uh, just because of, of the way it is written. You know, in the past, the IICRC has been criticized for not working well with other groups and, and organizations. And I, I would say that 
in my opinion, uh, you're certainly a, a breath of fresh air, you know, for that organization. And, you know, you've been able to, uh, you know, make changes and so on and so forth. You know, in your tenure with the IICRC, have you been getting along better, you know, with other organizations, uh, you know, such as RIA, IAQA, you know, NADCA, uh, you know, Carpet and Rug Institute, uh, so on and so forth? Um, I, I wish I could say, you know, th that I've had a whole lot of uh, interaction with those groups. Uh, but to be honest with you, um, I, I would rate myself and the organization very low on that. Uh, we have had so much going on, um, you know, it, that it's just not been a priority, and it probably should be. Um, you know, I've had little interaction with IRA and uh, we invited them to our last board meeting, and they sat through it in the certification council meeting. Uh, and we need to do more of that. Um, you know, we would like to attend, uh, you know, some of the events of the other organization. Uh, but with uh, the priorities for this year, it's kind of taken a back seat. Uh, it is part of our uh, strategic plan uh, to do more of it and to uh, work more and communicate more with the other organizations. Uh, this year, uh, you know, from my own personal perspective, uh, I, I have not been able to do it, but I hope to more often in the future. Okay. Well, this it, is... it's, it's very, it's very needed. We all, we all need to communicate more and work better together. I, I just want to say again, this is a great start, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to go to what we call a round up here. We'll go uh, around the table one last time, ask one last question, and then see if there's anything that uh, we left out that maybe you'd like to bring up. Okay, let's uh, let's get our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wild. Dieter, I know this isn't one of your. Uh, oh, we've got to unmute. You. There you go. I know this isn't one of your areas of uh, expertise, association, association management. But I'm just curious if you had any comments or questions from the first part of the show. Oh, of course. I always have an opinion, so you know that. <laughs> I'm shocked, Dieter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I preface everything with. You know, I always learn something. I didn't know there were what, 27 ways to set up a nonprofit organization. <laughs> I, I didn't either. That's great Great to know. Again, <laughs> you know, hey, now we can play Trivia Pursuit. But I think I would like to make a comment. I think Cliff uh, had a wonderful comment there. And I said, well, what does that mean to be certified? Now, I think I can certify a guy who picks up my garbage, and I have nothing against people who pick up garbage, but uh, I think I can certify him uh, by wearing the right vest uh, with reflective stuff on it and all of that. I think I can do that in one or two hours, but I think there are a lot of certifications out there where I have a huge question mark. He said he is certified. Years ago, I was, it was in northern Pennsylvania, I have no idea where it was, 
And uh, a guy by the name of Dr. Joe Blow called me and said, hey, we need you to do this and that, and I need what I did. And I, I met Dr. Joe Blow. Dr. Joe Blow had a PhD in golf course administration from a non-accredited <laughs> outfit somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think obviously that is going too far. But I think that any organization, IRCRC or whoever it is, um, I think we ought to make these certifications viable. You know? <laughs> uh, that it really means something if 100 people take the test and uh, 101 of them pass it um, yeah, on day one. Uh, maybe that is not the right test or, yeah, I don't know. But I think that is certainly in, in a, a very, very interesting question. And we should look at all certifications, whether it's from an MD or a dentist or an industrial hygienist or, yeah, whatever. And uh, I, I think Cliff, Cliff brought up that point uh, beautifully, uh, no doubt about it. And I'm going to shut up. All right. Well, thank you, Dieter. As always, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, I just want to take it back to Patrick. Uh, do you have any further comment on the certification issue? Oh, sure do. Um, being being a you know association professional, um, I, I you know there's hundreds of thousands of associations out there, and an awful lot of them you know give certifications. Um, I am familiar with the Golf Course Superintendents Association. I know of their certification, but I'm also aware of the, the Golf Course, uh, whatever they are, the people, greenkeepers, whatever. Uh, they do have a body of knowledge, and uh, they, they put together their body of knowledge, and they test on it. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in certifications, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you an example. And My wife really gets on me, but uh, she knows my profession. Uh, she says that if, uh, you know, paper boys were certified, you know, your mail, your mail carrier or your paper delivery person, that I would, you know, make sure that they were certified or I wouldn't let them do it. Uh, but they're not. But I'll give you an example. I had a tree removed in, in my yard because it was getting old and it was leaning towards my house, and we have, we've had some storms. Um, but when I went looking to have that big tree removed, um, the first thing I did was find out if there was a certification for tree removers, and there is, because there is a body of knowledge on how to, you know, safely and, and to do the right job on how to remove a tree, and the person ha also has to be bonded and have insurance, and uh, I asked him when he came and his crew, you know, how he got certified, and he explained to me the science of removing a tree, and I was very impressed. Uh, it's the same way with the chimney sweeps. I'm very familiar with the chimney sweep associations. They have a wonderful certification program. I wouldn't have my chimney cleaned by anybody but somebody who is certified by the National Chimney Sweep Association. Why? There's such a big possibility of fire if it's not done right. Um, so I'm not taking issue. I'm, I'm just kind of sticking up for my profession and all the certifications out there. That if there is a body of knowledge and it can be documented and it can be tested, um, I think it makes for a better society uh, and a safer society. Uh, and uh, you have more confidence in uh, the people that you hire or uh, to do a job. 
the same way with uh, in the profession that you are involved in, you know, uh, uh, carpets, uh, restoration, and inspection. That, that's my closing comment to, to the doctor. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And I, and I think it's an excellent point. Okay, Patrick, the IACRC is involved in a very diverse variety of technical subjects from the maintenance and cleaning of flooring, textile cleaning, disaster repair, microbial remediation, standards writing, and now a membership association. Does the IACRC's ambitious attempts to seemingly try to do everything impair the organization's ability to do a few things correctly? That, that's a good question. Um, and believe me, I gave that a lot of thought even, uh, you know, before I took this position because, you know, you, you look at the organization and its $4 million budget and its staffing structure and, you know, I'm, I'm an organizational management person. Uh, and a lot of it depends on the volunteers. And, boy, that's one thing the Institute has is some deeply committed uh, volunteers, you know, from, uh, you know, the, the, the PACs to the task forces to the committees. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're only as good as the amount of volunteer time that people put in. And we seem to have, you know, uh, not, no problem in, in getting them. I, I think we have a problem in rewarding them and, and making them, uh, you know, feel welcome and, and rewarding them on the, on the backside. But uh, I believe now that we have a strategic plan, uh, we will be more focused uh, because when things come up, um, you know, first thing we should do, uh, myself, the EC, the executive committee, and the board is go, uh, is that what we decided? Is it in the strategic plan? Uh, can it wait? Um, you know, all, all the things that I've been talking about, you know, the anti-accreditation, the, uh, uh, you know, the the national or international membership organization, they're in our plan. Otherwise, we wouldn't be working on them. Uh, the changes that will be happening in, uh, you know, the certification program, everything from remote testing to, uh, you know, anti-accreditation, they're in the plan. Um, when people bring things up nowadays, it's, uh, well, nope, that's, you know, back burner. Or it, it, it's priority or it fits into the plan in this place. Um, so I, I don't think we're going to be biting off more than we can chew. Um, we're, we're a big organization, uh, lots of resources. Uh, we're just going to use them better, I hope. Patrick, before we go, I know we ran a little bit over here, but I always like to, uh, Cliff and I always like to make sure that our guest has the last word. Is there anything that you would like to add before we go? Oh, well, I, I want to thank uh, both of you. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed the opportunity uh, to talk to you. Great questions from you and, and the listeners, and I hope I was able to shed some light on the Institute and, uh, you know, what our plans are going forward and any misconceptions there may be about where we are now or in the past. Thank you very much. Well, we appreciate you joining us and uh, for, for coming out and, and talking to our listeners. And, Cliff, I, did you have one more thing? Right. How can people learn more about your organization, Patrick? Could, uh, why don't you give the website and the phone number and, you know, the little sales pitch, uh, you know, that you'd like? Yeah, it's www.iicrc.org. Um, you know, go to there and you'll find a wealth of information. And, and you know, part of our marketing plan is, is to change the website. Doesn't everybody do that as soon as they, they get a new marketing firm? Absolutely. And, and <laughs> <laughs> it's got to we be We think done. it'll be more useful. 
more user friendly for the consumers and for the registrants and, and everybody involved. But it, it you know it's in the plan. Uh, the telephone number is three six zero six nine three five six seven five. If you want some more information. Well, there's certainly a lot of interest based on the the number of text questions we had here today and uh, some of the comments I had emailed to me, etc. And we do, again, appreciate having Mr. Patrick Winters, the IICRC's president, with us here this week on IAQ Radio. Next week, we're going to continue with our discussion of associations and association management. We're going to have uh, an association management attorney, Mr. Stephen John Fellman, who is um, one of the more renowned association attorneys in the country, along with uh, his his son, Glenn Fellman, uh, will be with us next week to talk a little bit more about different structures of associations and maybe some other uh, interesting tidbits that uh, Glenn and his father can impart for our listeners on association management and association structure. So thanks again to this week's guest, IICRC president, Mr. Patrick Winters. Before we go, I want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff. It's a great show, John. Always a pleasure. It was a great show. Our uh, technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil, for joining us. Of course, Austin Powers Novak at the controls. But most important, you are a growing group of loyal listeners. Thanks again. Join us next week at noon for IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production. Call recording has been completed. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.